Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source for all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting, and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Andrea Pride. At the end of January, the International Accounting Standards Board published an exposure draft of a new accounting standard that would require companies subject to rate regulation to give investors better information about their financial performance. And with me today, I have two guests, Heather Horn and Scott Bandura. Scott is a partner located in Canada and he is our IFRS accounting industry leader for energy, mining and utilities. And Heather is at the PwC US national office partner and she is our US expert in rate regulated accounting. Welcome Scott and Heather. Thank you, hello. Hi, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. So this is not the first time that the ISB has issued proposals relating to accounting for rate regulated activities. So Heather, could you tell us what's different now? Right, so this has definitely been a long-standing project by the ISB, and I was looking back through some of my notes, and uh, you know, it's been more than 10 years since they first issued an exposure draft on this topic, which happened back in July 2009, and that original proposal was based on a cost-to-service rate regulation model, uh, which is very similar to what we have under US GAAP. And we'll talk later in the podcast about how things are, are different now. That proposal, though, led to some fundamental questions of whether recognition of regulatory assets and liabilities was consistent with the IFRS framework. And I was looking back through some of these old notes, and I saw you know, that the board at that time was very split on the issues, that there was general acknowledgment that the rate regulation does have an economic impact, but definitely a lot of different views on how to reflect that from an accounting standpoint. And there were many comment letters that said at that time they thought that the scope should be expanded. So it was suspended, then it was reactivated, and there was a lot of different activities, including a request for information in 2013 and an interim standard in 2014, which we'll also talk about later, and then a discussion paper in 2014. So Long story, but this latest exposure draft is a culmination of years of feedback. And as I said, it is taking a different approach and has moved away from the cost of service model. Okay, great. Thanks, Heather. So can we take a step back, though? When we say regulated activities, what are they actually dealing with? Um, What are the different types of regulation out there? and, And does this cover all of them? So definitely the question of scope is something, you know, that is a big one. And definitely we would encourage people as they're commenting on this to focus in on that portion. But very colloquially, rate regulation is an idea that there is a government or regulatory body that is overseeing how rates are charged to a customer. And you typically see that in places where there's a monopoly or some other sort of dominant provider in the market, and that would typically cover things like electricity, natural gas, water, places where you wouldn't want really to have more than one provider. And the regulator is really there in a way to look out for the rights of the customers in a monopoly situation. Um, Regulatory bodies could impose restrictions on how much and when a company can charge a particular rate to a customer. 
And rates can be determined a lot of different ways, including cost recovery, which is what I mentioned is the US GAAP model, um, or in some cases there could be incentives and benefits that are passed along to customers. Okay, so I understand that this is a, a very big issue for Canada. Um, so Scott, turning to you now, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, happy to. So when Canada transitioned to IFRS in 2011, one of the biggest challenges that was identified by companies was the lack of a rate regulated accounting standard. And most utility companies and infrastructure companies such as oil and gas pipelines uh, had been using Canadian GAAP, which uh, had a standard in it, which allowed accounting policies to be developed for rate regulation, similar to the US GAAP model. When Canada transitioned to IFRS, IFRS 14 had not yet been published. And so many companies were given exemptions to move to US GAAP. Uh, absent further exemptions being granted for companies that aren't SEC registrants, transition to IFRS now may be required if the standard is finalized. For those companies that did adopt IFRS in 2011, they weren't able to apply IFRS 14 when it was made available, given that they were not first time adopters. Therefore, there were only a limited number of companies in Canada that applied IFRS 14. So given the significant infrastructure in Canada, both in the electrical space and pipeline related, there are a large number of impacted clients throughout the country, and there may be different perspectives on the standard depending on whether those companies are, are already reporting under US GAAP, are applying IFRS 14, or applying IFRS without regulatory accounting. So that's quite a hard ask, isn't it, to bring together all those different perspectives and head into one direction. Who, who's going to be affected by the proposals in this exposure draft, Scott? Well, it's primarily companies with rate regulated activities that have a regulatory agreement that determines the rate to charge for goods and services. Traditionally, rate regulation has been applied uh, largely in the utility sectors, but certainly there may be other sectors that the standard applies to. Any company subject to price regulation should carefully consider the, the scope of the standard and should be alert for unintended consequences. Users of financial statements will also need to understand the new requirements and may need to adjust their models for analyzing performance of companies to take into account the changes in the accounting model. Okay. Um, so that's who's going to be affected. Um, can you tell me a bit more about the problem that the CD is actually trying to solve and how it's proposing to solve it? Sure. Well, rate regulated accounting is fundamentally about avoiding mismatches. So a mismatch in the timing of revenue and expense recognition may arise because revenue recognized might include compensation for products and services provided in different periods to when the related activities or expenses occur. So for example, a utility whose rate is determined using a cost recovery mechanism that is faced with higher than normal prices in the current year may not be able to pass those on to the customer through a, a single rate increase in the same period. Instead, regulators may determine that the rate increase should be spread over, say, two to three years. So the exposure draft proposes a, a revenue model and accompanying disclosures to help users better understand the relationship between an entity's revenue, expenses, and cash flows. And it introduces the concept of total allowed compensation. So that, that's the principle that companies would reflect total allowed compensation to which they are entitled to for the goods and services supplied in the period as part of their reported financial rep performance for that period. 
when part of the total allowed compensation for goods or services is included in the regulated rate for goods or services supplied in a different period, this would give rise to regulatory assets or liabilities. And this would have the effect of the cash flows being re reflected in different periods. Okay, and I assume that there's going to be a lot of presentation and disclosure around this as well. Exactly. So separate line items for regulatory assets and liabilities classified as either current or non-current in the balance sheet, along with accompanying disclosures reflecting the, the reconciliation of regulatory assets and liability balances. The statement of financial performance would have a, a single line item for net movements between opening and closing balances of regulatory assets and liabilities with supporting note disclosures uh, reflecting the, the reconciliation to the compensation received. And there are other disclosures as well, which we won't go into detail on, but things like the maturity analysis for recoveries and, and rate fulfillments, how risk and uncertainties affect these recoveries, and then the discount rates that, that are applied, including regulatory interest rates where applicable. Okay, yeah, great, thank you. Um, so Scott mentioned that um, some entities have already applied IFRS 14 and some haven't. Heather, could you tell us how the AD will impact those that applied IFRS 14 and, and those that didn't? Sure. So the proposed standard would supersede IFRS 14. And as I mentioned briefly, IFRS 14 was originally issued in January of 2014. And it generally permitted first-time adopters of IFRS to account for regulatory deferral accounts in accordance with their prior gaps. So basically, if you were already applying some type of regulatory deferral, you were allowed to continue it. It was permitted. It was not required. And interestingly, IFRS 14 was always intended as an interim standard. It was supposed to be a short-term solution. And it, it did include very specific presentation and disclosure requirements if you decided to continue your prior gap. So the key point here is that if for entities that applied IFRS 14, on the one hand, you could have an advantage because you're already recording uh, regulatory accounts in your financial statements. However, it's likely this new proposed recognition framework is different from the framework that you're currently applying because typically we've seen that companies would have been applying some type of cost deferral framework similar to the US GAAP model. And so if the new standard is adopted, then those IFRS 14 adopters would need to unwind their old accounting and then you know, adopt the new standard. Now, for companies that had not adopted IFRS 14, either because they elected not to or because it, it wasn't applicable to them because they had already adopted IFRS, you know, as Scott talked about, then the impact of the standard could be significant because they would have to gather the information to track, you know, these and record these assets and liabilities and follow the requirements Scott talked about. That said, in most cases, we would expect that they, these companies would have some record of these amounts because they're likely tracking them for regulatory purposes already. So, you know, in both cases, I think adjustments are going to be needed and companies, you know, will have to look at their individual impact. One other key point is whether or not you're an IFRS 14 adopter, you would need to apply the new proposal retrospectively. So you know, that, that would involve going back a few years, obviously. 
yeah, going back and applying it as if it had always applied. We also mentioned companies that are using US GAAP. How different are these proposals from US GAAP? And will, will we see a convergence with FASB um, if this is finalized? So let me start with the differences and then I'll touch briefly on convergence. You know, I mentioned a couple times the US GAAP model. And so we have ASC 980, which was originally issued as FAS 71 and then some follow-on standards. And that is what's called a cost recovery model. And that aligns the income statement impact with when rates are charged to customers. This new proposal was written to address a wider range of rate making mechanisms. And as Scott mentioned, the proposal really focuses on total allowed compensation that a company is entitled to recover, which would not only include costs, but would also include the related profits. So you know, key point here is under the US GAAP model, if you are deferring costs, you don't recognize any related profit. You would recognize it when those costs are recognized. Whereas under this model, we would see if, um, you know, there's, if you qualify, you would see that earlier profit recognition potentially. And so while there could be similar accounting for certain costs, we would expect there to be differences in the actual amounts that would end up reported as regulatory assets and liabilities. In addition, the measurement proposals require explicit estimates of future cash flows and explicit discounting of those cash flows to present value. So again, that would be different than US GAAP, where typically regulatory assets and liabilities are recorded you know, at their, uh, their costs with no discounting. And then in some cases, you may be earning a return on that, but on the gross amount. Now, convergence, that's always a question and a challenge. And, you know, regulation definitely varies widely around the globe. And so there's different economic environments and different relationships between entities and their customer base. Specifically, though, if we're thinking if, you know, the ISB passes this standard and, you know, would the FASB, would we expect the FASB to relook at FAS 71 ASC 980? And at this time, I don't think there's any expectation that there would be a relook at the US GAAP model. That said, I think by adopting a rate regulated standard, even with these differences, it is, you know, adding overall to convergence because recognition it will, you would have more similar similarities by recognizing regulatory assets and liabilities, even if there's differences between the models versus one model where you recognize and one model where you don't. Right. So y you might still have two, but it's still more converged than where it is today. Exactly. Okay. So the ISB has recently extended the comment deadline so that it's now due at the end of July 2021. Um, who do you think should be looking to respond to the ED and how should they go about it? Okay. Well, I think it's important to note that it is open to everyone. So both preparers and users. And so the ISB is really looking for a broad base of, of responses. And important to note, the more responses that, that come in, probably the, the higher quality the standard will end up being. So I would encourage that everyone everyone respond, even if they're not in a traditional utilities industry, uh, if, if the potential is that they may be caught within the scope, uh, important to think about that and uh, give, give perspectives on it. 
if the proposals do get finalized, there, there might be significant impacts to implement the standard or significant efforts required to implement the standard, I should say, in, in the sense that even companies that are already applying IFRS 14 will have impacts. And for those companies that have never applied rate regulated accounting, there will also be obviously impacts to, to look at upon adoption. So, you know, don't underestimate the, uh, the efforts required and, and think about that in the responses as well. Okay. Heather, do you have anything to add? Yes, I was just going to say, I would just add to that, that I think to Scott's point, there could be companies that are, I'll say, caught in the scope that may not be the traditional utilities that we've talked about. Um, In particular, there's some interaction potentially with the service concession guidance. So definitely encourage all entities to take a look and see if they could be potentially impacted. But I'd also add that there's some really good resources out there, including a webinar that's on the um, ISB website that helps break down each of the accounting considerations. And then in addition, of course, PwC does plan to comment. So uh, I encourage you to be on the lookout for that. Okay, that's great. Thanks. And we'll put a link to those resources in the talking points that will accompany this podcast. So it sounds like scope is something that everyone should have a think about if they can. And just also to reinforce the message that we've heard in the past that if you've got any commentary on the exposure draft, even if it's not something on all aspects of the exposure draft, it is still worth writing in on the bits that you do have a point of view on. So that brings the end to our podcast today. Um, so I'd just like to say thank you very much to our guests, Heather Horn and Scott Bandura. And thank you also to all our listeners. Stay safe and happy accounting. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. The preceding program was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.